Surprise. The 23rd? Oh, yeah, there's something coming up. Okay, well, I might as well, this is part of my introduction, so whatever. So today, we are finishing through our, uh, the teaching of our dating series. This is the fourth message in the dating series. It's going to be the last one. We've talked about what the Bible says about dating. We've talked about sexual purity in dating, where we talked about avoiding temptation as well as setting your eyes on what God wants for you. And last week, we talked about the ideal wife, the excellent wife in Proverbs 31. We talked about, first of all, what that looks like in marriage, how to identify that in a person before marriage, and then what kind of person do I have to be so that that person's attracted to me. And today, we're talking about the kind of man, the loving husband. And for each of the points that I talk about tonight, I'm going to talk to you about three things. Thing number one, what is the quality? What are we learning about the good husband? Thing number two is how do you identify that quality in someone who's not married because you can't exactly look how someone raises their kids in most scenarios when you're considering someone to marry. (laughs) Um, But the third thing is I want to help you think about what kind of a girl do I need to be so that that kind of guy is interested in me. I want this to be something where everything, everyone's got something to take out of it. So I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter five. Uh, And then while you're turning there, what's happening next week is something that I'm very excited about. We're having Jim and Jane Berg come in, which Jim Berg used to be one of our elders. Awesome guy. Love that couple. And they're going to be coming in, talking to you about some of their experience dating, as well as just giving you practical advice. Like one of the things that I've been intentionally doing is that I'm trying to give you the stuff that I can be like, thus says the Lord. I'm not giving you all of the different practical versions of dating that you can think about. I'm trying to steer clear of all that stuff that isn't exactly biblical. But it's not to say that's not valuable. And I'm going to give you the opportunity next week to have a married couple who knows a whole lot more about life than I do talk to you guys about some of the specific things that you can think about with dating and how to do it. So that's going to be a really cool opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you're looking forward to it. And then, of course, the week after that, everyone knows what's happening the week after that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to bring a razor, and we're going to have a bit of fun. So... A razor or, like, electric one? Well, I'm going to bring a... So I have to bring both. So I'm going to bring a... uh, I'm going to bring a buzzer. Can we do a haircut first? Yes. No. We need to to conserve time. you got to promise me, give yourself a mohawk before you do anything else. I'm not doing that, man. I'll take requests on the night. Um, on the night. On the night. Because I have to, yeah. So anyways, we're going to teach about the Nazarite vow. I'm going to give you something of an example. I'm going to actually do one for three months. And then forevermore, you're going to be able to look at the Bible where it talks about people taking Nazarite vows. You're going to be like, I remember that idiot in junior high. <laughs> and it'll stick better. So <laughs> those are the things that are coming up. Good things to look forward to. But this is the last message in our series on dating. And we're going to be talking about what kind of guy. We talked about what kind of girl. Now we're talking about what kind of guy. And I'm going to figure out how to get this in a way that doesn't ruin my whatever. Okay. So first things first. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 5. We talked about Ephesians chapter 5 in our Genesis 2 message. But today we're going to dive in a lot deeper into what it says about the man specifically. So first things first. Um... Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's stop. That's where the title of this message comes from. We are talking about the loving husband. The thing that defines a good husband is that he loves his wife in the way that Christ loved the church. And what did Jesus do for the church? 
That's right. He died. <laughs> some like some charades going on back there. Yeah, he died. Jesus self-sacrificially loves the church, and that's the way that a husband is supposed to love his wife. And everything else that we're talking about tonight is just explanations of what exactly that looks like. If you have a loving husband, he will do these things. So this is just an explanation of what loving means. So verse 26, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. We need to talk about what the word sanctify means. Any, does anyone happen to know what the word sanctify means? It means to make holy. If you've ever heard the word saint, that means holy one. So to sanctify something is to make it holy, to set it apart. And so when we say sanctify, we're talking about spiritual growth. It's helping someone to become holy, to become more like Jesus. So Jesus's primary concern with the church is to make it holy. It's its spiritual growth. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. So, first quality is that you see that this guy loves his wife as Jesus loves the church, and that means loving her sacrificially. And the first way that that comes out... Aww. Okay, the first way that that comes out is that he lives out the Bible. B I B L E. That's the book for me. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> right. Okay. So he lives out the Bible. What do I mean by that? Well, it says that he's sanctifying her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That is what the husband is doing for his wife. And so the husband's primary goal in his wife's life is that she would grow spiritually, that she would become more mature, that she would love God more, be more like Christ. And he's doing that by washing her with the word. That means that you're reading your Bible together. Your husband is someone who knows the Bible well enough to explain it and to encourage you to know it better. So when you're seeing that the man is supposed to be the spiritual leader in the house, well, okay, he knows the Bible, he lives it out. How can I identify someone like that now? Well, when you're dating someone, you're looking for someone who knows the Bible well and lives it out. So in other words, the quality is kind of the same in or out of marriage. But you need to ask yourself when you're dating someone, do you seriously admire their character? For example, do you admire him for how he loves his enemies? Do you admire him for how he's always so joyful that regardless of the situation he's in, he's always got this deep-rooted happiness in himself that isn't dependent on what's around him? Do you admire how he's always at peace with people, that he's not constantly starting fights, that he doesn't get into ego battles, that he's kind even when someone else is unkind to him? Do you admire how patient he is with people, how patient he is with adults, how patient he is with kids, how patient he is with you? Do you admire how kind he is? Not just how kind he is to you, but how kind he is to everyone around him. Do you admire his self-discipline? Do you admire the way that he's able to work hard, but also that he's just a controlled individual? Because those are, what I just gave you is actually a cut down list of the fruits of the spirit. So do you see someone who knows the Bible and actually obeys it? And of course, to be able to recognize that, you need to know the Bible. So, okay, what do I need to grow in? Where someone who has those qualities will be attracted in me to me, and also where I'm actually going to recognize those qualities in someone else. 
This is a big one. For the ladies out there, are you a person that pursues spiritual growth? Now, what this looks like is, are you involved in the church? In addition to going to the church weekly, are you involved in a Bible study? Are you involved? Do you have a mentor? Do you have people around you that you're accountable with? Are you putting yourselves in situations and surrounding yourselves with people and structures that are going to encourage your spiritual growth as much as you're able to? And that's not something that you can necessarily be legalistic about. Everyone's got different things going on in their life. You can't always have like church attendance and then four midweek ministries that you're going to. But are you pursuing those things? Like, I'm just telling you, as a guy, if someone doesn't go to church, and I mean like every week, I just don't date them. Additionally, if I see someone and they go to the church service, but they're not actually involved in the community, they show up for church on Sunday mornings, and that's it. Like, there's a difference between showing up for church on Sunday and actually being a part of the church. Does that make sense? That's kind of a major thing. Because if someone isn't personally committed to spiritual growth in their own life, I don't want to chain myself to them. And so if you have a guy who lives out the Bible, who knows the Bible well, first of all, if you're not committed to personal spiritual growth in your own life, you're not going to notice that guy when he comes by. But if you are committed to spiritual growth in your own life, if you're surrounding yourself with things that grow you and make you stronger, then when you're around this guy, you're going to be recognizing those characteristics and you're going to be like, this is a guy who knows the Bible. This is a guy who lives it out. That's a guy that I admire and that would be able to help me grow and that will be an attractive thing to you. But it wouldn't even be on your radar otherwise. So first thing is that he's a spiritual leader. He knows the word, he lives it out, and he's encouraging you to grow. And that's essentially the husband's primary goal in life once he gets married. And to recognize that now, it's essentially the same thing. And then what do I need to grow in? I need to be personally committed to my own spiritual growth and seeking that out in life. And then that's going to be what allows me to see this guy when he comes by, as well as for him to be attracted to me. Point numero dos um, is that... Where did it go? I lost my place in my notes one second. There we go. Okay. Point numero dos is that he cherishes his wife. So to cherish something is to see it as extremely valuable, to be affectionate towards it. And we get this from the next verse. So, excuse me, continuing in verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. In reality, that's an expansion and a restatement of the previous verses, but I want to focus in on nourishes and cherishes it, because this is something that's important. Because a good husband cherishes his wife. He doesn't view her as a painful responsibility. He views her as something that he actually loves having. It's not that you go home from work and you have to go back to the old ball and chain. That hag. Um, It's not that you're coming home from work and you hate being around your wife, but you have to like fulfill the responsibility anyway. What a garbage husband to live with, first of all. Um, But instead, it's that you're loving your wife and you're serving her and you actually are glad that that's your wife. You're excited to go home to her. And so doesn't that sound much better than the alternative? Like, I don't know. I'm not a woman, so I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm National Women's Day. Right? Like, so was that yesterday? I didn't know. <laughs> Whoops at Daisy. Yeah, right? Today I learned. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but anyways, but you want to have a husband 
that cherishes you and values you, you want to have a husband that actually loves being with you. And that's one of those things where you're like, well, okay, John, you tell me to look for a husband that's going to love me and, and cherish me. How do I tell what that looks like before I'm actually married? I can't go seven years in the future. Here's the answer. Watch how he interacts with his parents and with his siblings. Right? <laughs> so here's the thing. <laughs> so here's the thing. When I was in eighth grade, the first time I heard this, I always heard, you want to know how a guy is going to treat his wife? Watch how he treats his mom. That is one of the main predictors of the way that he's going to interact with you. What is it? Yeah. And I'm not, look, and I'm not saying like a, a kid who just like is totally whipped and does whatever his mom does and like needs his mom and relies on his mom because then that's just going to be what he does to you. No, 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 no. Here's what I mean. The thing is when you're dating someone, they're essentially putting their best foot forward. When you're dating someone, they're showing you the best side of themselves because it matters to them that you like them. They want you to keep dating them. And most likely, eventually, they're going to want you to marry them. So they're intentionally trying to persuade you in a sense. They're trying to sell you on themselves. But give it seven years. In seven years, you're going to be normal. In seven years, you're just going to be a member of his family. Because things get normal after a while, right? And so do you want to know how he's going to treat you when you're just a member of his family? check how he treats the people that are already just a member of his family. When his mom asks him to take out the trash, does he say, pound sand, mom, I'm playing Fortnite. <laughs> when his mom tells him to clean his room, does he say, pound sand, yeah. Um, basically means hit the road. You ever heard hit the road? Yeah, whatever. It's extremely disrespectful. You're correct. Uh, the other one, does he say like, okay, I'll totally do it, and then never does it? Um, like, none of that, man. Because eventually, the way that he's treating his parents and his siblings, that's going to be how he's treating you. So instead, check and see, is he eager to help his parents with things? Is he eager to be kind to his siblings? Does he cherish and take care of and love the people that are already, quote, just family? That's a very good sign. So, and also just, by the way, as a guy... When I heard that the first time in eighth grade, I immediately thought to myself, how do I treat my parents? How do I treat my siblings? Is that how I would like to treat my wife? The answer was no. At the time, the answer was genuinely no. And I started thinking to myself, okay, my family is a training ground. When my mom asks me to take out the trash, how would I like myself to respond when my wife will ask me to take out the trash? That's what I'm going to do now. And there's things like that where I started intentionally training and in how I interact in my normal relationships because that's eventually going to be what it's like with my wife, if that ever happens. So we've talked about the characteristic. We've talked about what that looks like now. Well, okay, for the ladies in the room, well, how do I be someone that that kind of person is going to be interested in? Here's the fun part. It's literally exactly the same. How do you treat your parents? How do you treat your siblings? It's not just that you want a husband that's going to cherish you in seven years, but that husband's going to want a wife that still cherishes him in seven years, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> in the same way that the way that a guy treats his mom is a major predictor of how he treats his wife, the way that a, a girl treats her dad is a major predictor of how she's going to treat her husband. We could dive into that a lot, but... Basically, your dad is the spiritual authority in your life right now, and your dad might be a knucklehead. But one day, your husband's going to be the spiritual authority in your life, and your husband might be a knucklehead. And so that's one of those things where you have to think about it. It's like, okay, how do I interact with these things? But since we're on that topic, I need to read you verse 33. 
In verse 33, and we're skipping down a bit, it says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And that's a callback to the beginning of the chapter where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. And the thing that you need to think about is this. I knew someone who was saying, you know, why in the world would I ever get married? Why in the world would I put myself in a situation where I have to submit to some guy? Every guy that I would see, like the vast majority of guys, I would never want to submit to. You know what I told her? Don't marry the vast majority of guys. Marry the one that you'd actually be willing to submit to. Like that's not a minor thing. And that's something that's worth considering. That's one of the reasons that I've talked to you guys about it in Genesis 2 as well as the previous weeks. Like the guy is the spiritual leader and then the wife ends up being submissive. And so you should really very seriously consider, am I willing to submit to this guy for the rest of my life? Because as soon as you get married, that person is the primary spiritual authority in your life. And that's kind of a big, big deal. So when you're dating someone, think about that. Think to myself, is this someone that I want to have as a spiritual authority in my life for the rest of my life? If the answer is no, move on, man. Not worth it. So all that to say, like, trust me, a spiritual leader that cherishes you is far better than one who doesn't. Point number three, uh, read in Ephesians chapter six, verse four. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So this is, I'm actually going to read the whole section. It says, 6, 1 through 4, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So here's the next thing. Point number three about the loving husband, the ideal husband the good husband is a good father. So the ideal husband is a good father. And this is something that's actually kind of major to consider. But look at this verse. It doesn't say fathers and mothers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and admonition of the Lord. It says fathers. And here's the thing. I want to read you Proverbs 1.8. It says, Hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. So in the Bible, the assumption is that the father and the mother are raising the kids. But well, this no singles... Well, then you don't have to raise anyone. So, but, <laughs> you raise other kids in the church. Yeah, that's all, yeah, kind of true. So, but this singles out fathers. It specifically says, Fathers, do not provoke your children. In the family, it's not just that the father is a spiritual leader for the wife and that the father is devoting himself to the spiritual growth of the wife, the father is also devoting himself to the spiritual growth of his kids. The father is the person who is primarily responsible for the spiritual condition of everyone in his family. God drops that right at his feet. And this is one of those sections where you see that. And so one of the things that you need to think about is, is this guy a good, is he going to be a good dad? Do I want to raise kids with this person? Like, that's kind of a genuine consideration. Even when I date people, one of the things my parents will ask me is like, John, picture yourself in 10 years. Do you want to raise kids with this person? And that's a weird question to ask because we don't necessarily think that far ahead. But you should think to yourself, do I want to raise kids with this person? But also, 1 Timothy... 20 for y'all. Yeah, right. But also, like, 1 Timothy 3, 4, when the Bible's talking about the character required for someone to be an elder of a church... It says, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. If someone doesn't know how to raise his own kids, that disqualifies him from being an elder in the church. Like, one of the ways that you measure a man's character is by how he raises his kids. 
So the Bible makes that a very big deal. It's like, you want to know whether or not someone's a good husband? How do they raise their kids? That's actually a massive part of it. So how do you spot this before someone has kids? Well, how do they treat kids? This is kind of a fun one. Look at someone and I want you to ask yourself the question, how does this person treat people younger than he is? How does he treat kids? Is he unkind and dismissive to them? Does he look down on them? Or does he demonstrate care for them? Even if it's not necessarily his favorite thing, when he interacts with kids, will he interact with them? Does he have fun with them? Does he have a good time with them? And like, if you see someone who's willing to interact with and invest in people younger than himself, that's kind of a big deal because eventually he's going to have to do that with his own kids. Do you see that he's completely unwilling to do that already? If you see a guy and he's unkind and dismissive to the people younger than him, to the people in the age group down, don't date him. And dudes, don't be that person. <laughs> like, so all that to say, honestly, think to yourself, when you're looking at someone, honestly, think to yourself, would I want to raise children with this person? Like, that's a valid question. And here's the next thing. So we've talked about, he's a good father. How do you evaluate that now? But then also, how do I become the kind of woman that that kind of guy will be interested in you? Well, care about kids yourself. <laughs> if he's a good father and he's going to want to, you know, he cares about how he raises kids and he's going to be thinking about that, he's not going to be interested in a woman that hates kids and wants nothing to do with them. <laughs> That's kind of a thing, man. Like, part of marriage is having kids. And in our culture, for the first time in history, we've kind of disconnected those two things. And... That's not something you can actually disconnect. Like if you want to get married, part of that means that you want to have kids. And it's not to say that, you know, different situations never happen. Like there's fertility struggles in plenty of marriages. But also think about that. Think about whether or not I want to like have kids with this person, raise kids with this person. A guy is going to be thinking about your capability as a mother and you should be thinking about his capability as a father. This is not one of those things where the guy gets to go out and work and then check out and everything else. No. It's actually kind of an ironic thing that the person that, according to the biblical pattern, will spend the most time away from his family is also the person that is responsible first and foremost for the family's condition. So with that, um, in conclusion, ladies, when you're looking for a guy, you're looking for someone who's going to love you and love you sacrificially. That means that you're looking for someone that's going to be a spiritual leader in your life, someone that's going to help you grow. That means you need to be committed to your own spiritual growth. Otherwise, that guy's going to pass you by. You need to look for someone that cherishes the people that are just family because if he is kind to the people that are just givens in his life, eventually you're going to be a just given in his life. How's he going to treat you then? You need to look for someone who's kind to the people who's younger than he is, someone that loves even the kids and someone that is going to be the father of your children. If you don't trust this person with someone else's kids, why are you going to trust them with your own? But here's the last thing. In the very, so last week I talked to you guys and I said, when you're listening to these messages, think about the kind of person that you need to grow into and not just what the other people need to learn. Here's the second one. People aren't perfect. You're going to meet people that don't necessarily fulfill every single exact standard that we could put on the checkbox. But the reality is that if you have someone that's humble and they're committed to growth, that's a big deal. Anyways, with that, let's bow our heads, pray it out. <sighs> Lord, thank you that you give us examples of what the good wife and the good husband look like, that we don't have to navigate this blind. But in reality, it's not necessarily making that simple. 
I pray that you would help us to think about the qualities and characteristics that comprise the ideal woman and the ideal man, and that we would learn what those look like beforehand, and that we would be attracted to that. I pray that your intention for marriage would be attractive to us, and that we would develop into the men and women that you want us to be, and that you would strengthen us in that process. Lord, I pray that you'd watch over each of us and whatever romantic you know, plans you have for any of us or don't have for any of us, that you'd help us to learn and to love and to grow into those. And I pray these things in the name of our King Jesus Christ. Amen.